You're listening to Shot Callers with Kyle Brandon and Joe Micucci, part of the 48 Minutes Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of Shot Callers on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. As always, I'm Joe Micucci, joined by everyone's favorite Pistons fan. I know he's mine. Kyle Brandon. Kyle, how's it going, my friend? It's going well. I'll say GG's. My Pistons played your Pacers, and uh, you guys came out on top. And I know you gave me the uh, the respectful GG's last time, so well played. I, I wish I could be happy about it, but this is just going to add fuel to the fire of Mel Simon's claim that he thinks the Pacers are one hell of a team, and mm. uh, that's a conversation for another day. We're here tonight, though, but before anything, to really talk about, well, the newest three-point king. And I don't just mean in the sense that he's won three-point shooting competitions, he's won multiple three-point shooting awards. No, 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 he is now number one all-time. We're talking about Steph Curry breaking the all-time three-point record on Tuesday night against the Knicks out in Madison Square Garden. Kyle? I, I don't know what else to say that hasn't been said already about Steph Curry, but it just feels right knowing that he truly is the best three-point shooter of all time. Yeah, I think that we kind of felt like it, and um, you know, the eye test shows it, uh, the stat sheet shows it, kind of everything all made sense, but at the end of the day, the record is the record, and he didn't own it until the other night, and now he does, and that seems to just make sense. Um, I mean the best shooter in my opinion you know i'm 29 years old the best shooter of all time the best shooter of my lifetime whatever you want to say um we don't need to get into the argument of all time or not but definitely the best shooter of my lifetime without a doubt um probably the most gifted hand eye coordination i've ever seen ever and um it, it it's just awesome that it all happened it happened in madison square gardens which was cool uh, for me, really, the only thing that wasn't incredible about that night was that Clay wasn't there. That was really the only the only negative I saw from the whole thing. If Clay would have like got the assist for it, uh, to me, that would have just been the most uh, story, you know, storybook kind of Disney uh, way it all could have happened. I really wish he could have been on the court for that moment, um, but. It uh, it felt like a movie watching it, and so it all seems to make sense. And, and now he holds the title that uh, that I think everyone kind of already thought he was. Yeah. Um, well, since you aren't gonna say it, I have no problem coming out and saying it. And I'm even a little bit younger than you at 28. Uh, he is the best shooter of all time. Um, I I think it, you got to give credit where credit's due. Um, this man is almost single-handedly responsible for the three-pointer becoming as important to the game of basketball as it is today. And yeah, I'm a Pacers fan that grew up rooting for Reggie Miller. Maybe there's someone out there that's going to want to crucify me for saying that I think Steph Curry is the best shooter of all time, but it's just—it's it, not just the matter of which that he makes three-pointers, um, or, or the rate, I should say. It is the matter. Like He's taking some of these shots. Um, I forget who it was um, that posted the chart of his three pointers, like and where they were taken from, there are some taken from you know half half court, just just under half court, and 
you sit there and think to yourself, I think like maybe five of those were end of quarter shots. Like this dude just has expanded the range. Like uh, guys like Damian Lillard don't get to exist in the league today without Steph doing what he does. I mean, even even his running mate, the Splash Brother, Clay Thompson, um, just all these great three point shooters and and the premium that is now you're basically you're not even on our scouting radar if you don't have the promise of having a three point shot. Um, it's it's incredible what Steph has done. It's incredible that he broke the record in 511 less games than Ray Allen broke the. You know, it's just it's insane to me. This it's this is a record that I think is gonna be in that untouchable range if uh, Steph plays as long as I think we're we think he's gonna play. Yeah, and I think we see shooters like. Um like J.J. Reddick's and Kyle Korver's and Ray Allen's and stuff like that, people that are like specialized shooters, they can play till they're in their late 30s, you know, the 38 range or so, which would give Steph another five seasons, um, which is crazy because in the last five seasons, look what what Steph has done. So um, I still think he's got some left in his tank for sure to really expand that record. And I think when you talk about his legacy of the game, you said he's the best shooter of all time kind of, and, and how he's changed the game on the court. I mean, just off the court, the fact that every kid feels like they have a chance to play basketball now because it's not about being 6'8 and being able to dunk. Uh, there's, like, a new way to play basketball, um, you know, for people that aren't gifted with height. So um, the fact that he kind of just opened up the game to a way larger population the fact that more people feel represented when they watch basketball because they're able to see him with this small frame um and the fact that he's just a little shifty 185 pound guy out there going against literal like giants right yeah Um, that has has changed um kind of the new generation that's coming up and like you said now everyone's got the three-point shot which is just great for the game of basketball. He he um, deserves a lot of credit for expanding the game um, on the court, off the court, kind of everything. And I, I don't think that I've seen really a flaw in his resume as far as who he is. So um, kudos to him. I'm glad that the conversation around basketball is centered around Steph because he definitely deserves it. Yeah, I love the point you made about him really opening the avenue of, of more people wanting to invest time in playing a game of basketball. Um, one thing, albeit it's not the most exciting sport to watch these days, but one thing that really draws people to baseball still is the fact that it is such an everyman sport. You know, you see guys playing baseball um, that look like they just walked in off the beer league fields. And yeah. By no means am I saying Steph Curry looks like he just got out of a YMCA, but it, it that's kind of the feeling you get watching Steph is just that more, I could do this. Now, let me stop you there. You can't, um, but <laughs> you can definitely try. Um, yeah. But it, it's just he, he really has made the NBA feel closer to an everyman sport. Um, and, and another thing that you talked about flaws in his game um, the only flaws that I've ever found with Steph Curry, one is that he wasn't given the finals MVP uh, mm. in 2015, 20, yeah, 2015 when, uh, excuse me, when Iguodala got it. And I love Andre Iguodala, but 
come on. Um, and the other flaw is that we lost him to injury for a year. Um, so two things that were out of his control. Um, but yeah. And, and the other impressive thing to me, uh, with Steph, just to kind of give him some more flowers, um, is that even with being one of the greatest shooters of all time, this guy still averages almost seven assists per game. Like it's crazy to me that there are still people out there that try to discredit what he does on a basketball court and don't view him as one of the most important players uh, in the history of the game. Uh, it's simple as that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And and how cerebral the game is between him and Draymond is like actually poetry in motion on the court. And, uh, and that's why they really caught a lot of people's eye early kind of in their success way back in like the, you know, 2013, 2012 kind of time. Um, is because of how smart it all was and how well they played off each other. And, you know, once Draymond set the screen, kind of what Steph would do from there. And, um, yeah, it's it's just excellent basketball. It's the reason that people show up hours early to watch him from the tunnel or, you know, in the stands or, or whatever it is. I think that when we grew up, our parents kind of talked about, like, Larry Bird running through the stands before games, and like that was yeah. kind of uh, one of the big stories. And I think that we'll kind of pass along to the next generation. Like, yeah, I didn't watch Larry Bird run through the stands. I watched Steph Curry in the stands shooting three pointers and just draining them, um, you know, before games. So it's just it's, a really yeah, cool thing. That childlike joy that he plays mm-hmm. with. It's it's yeah. just. It, there's just nothing like it. <laughs> it really isn't. Um, yeah. We, we, you and I talk all the time about how, you know, I mean, you with Lily, you know, being able to tell Lily about, you know, watching uh, Steph Curry and LeBron James, like, in their prime, like, that, that's stuff that gets you excited just as you witness it, like, being able to one day tell your kids about it. Um, yeah. It's like you just, you really did have to see it to believe it. Um, and... It, just one minor thing. This is a little off the topic of of Steph, uh, the playing atmosphere. But well, it's just I have to ask the question uh, because you know they were showing the picture of him with Ray Allen and Reggie Miller and MSG the other night, and they all had jerseys. Is the Ray Allen Celtics beef thing is that squashed? Do you know? Uh, I don't know if it's squashed. I thought you were going to bring up. Um, Reggie Miller's jersey being nine times too too large. Uh, I don't know if you noticed that, but it pro- it, probably. I mean, no. It, the only because I'm still wondering. Oversized. Yeah, <laughs> it's the thing. The thing I was that got me was Ray Allen openly posing with a Celtics jersey because I didn't know if that beef was squashed yet or not. <laughs> like, uh, for the first time ever on this show, I'm I'm asking for Celtics fans' input. Maybe the last time I don't know, um, but can someone tell me? Because I, I still don't know. It's not. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I did want to bring up with this is that now that Steph has finally broken it, um, we can hopefully shift towards another person that's climbing up the three point ladder, which is James Harden is on pace to pass Reggie Miller for third all time this season, um, which is insane to think about that two of the best three-point shooters ever are playing at the same time. Um, 
that that's just a crazy, crazy little narrative nugget I noticed. Um, so just something to maybe keep an eye on over the yeah. remainder of this season. I uh, we won't get too big into James Harden, but I still think that people underrate James Harden a bit. I don't think that people realize that for a what was it a forty game stretch he averaged over forty points a game, like that's crazy. He did that a few years ago. He was like, he's, you know, always in like the top three in MVP voting pretty much no matter what happens. Um, it just happen. It just so happens that he plays at a time where there's Steph Curry and KD and LeBron. Like that is, that is it. Um, yeah. That's really his flaw. So he'll lead the, he'll be close to leading the league, if not leading the league in steals every year also. Um, People kind of just brush it off. So, yeah, I, I'll be I'll be happy to watch that one too, um, because I think he's he's another one that's kind of changed the game in a different way, and and yeah. I'm I'm sure we'll have a, a nice conversation about Harden in the future. But uh, yes, for, I, that, I, that is I, for another day. <laughs> yeah, I, what I wanted to talk about was my love to see it, and wouldn't you? Yeah, know, let's yeah let's it's, let's it's go ahead team. and. Let's shift into love to see it, hate to see it. Yeah, so my my love to see it, it's the team that passed on Steph Curry. Not you once, don't mean, but twice. It's, you don't mean it's, our beloved. It is my love to see it is going to be Wolves Watch time, baby. Ow! Yeah, my love to see, and that's the only that's the only bad thing the Wolves have ever done in franchise history. Ever to miss totally. on Steph Curry twice, ever. Um, the Wolves. Let's go. We got we got Anthony Edwards a thirty-eight point game uh, against the Nuggets on the road. Went ten for fourteen from three, which was a franchise record. Youngest player ever with ten threes, and now he's shooting thirty-six percent from from deep, and that's on over eight and a half attempts a game. Uh, Anthony Edwards was always the most you know athletic guy on the court, pretty much since. He just recently joined the NBA. He that was kind of always his calling card. He was able to drive, penetrate to the lane, kind of use his body and athleticism to do what he wants. But he was never like an elite shooter or anything like that. We are seeing flashes of him being an elite scorer. He's joining this group now of people that have scored 2,000 points in their first 100 games. This company, and and think about just scoring ability when you think about this company. LeBron, Durant, Melo, uh, Carmelo Anthony, not not uh, Lamelo Ball. Yeah, uh, Luca, Kyrie, and Zion, who we'll get to uh, a little later. But he he's among some of the best young scorers uh, in really recent NBA history. Um. And it, it's just impressive what they're doing. And it's also impressive what the Wolves are able to do defensively amongst guards who are 6'4 and shorter. Patrick Beverly leads the league in block percentage. D'Angelo Russell's fifth in the league. And Anthony Edwards is sixth. Um, the Wolves, on a night-to-night basis, can be tough to watch. I'll say that. Very up and down. Very up and down. But, man, when it is up... It is up, baby, and I, I love to watch them on an on night. I really do. Yeah, and this is uh, honestly, uh, 
full disclosure to the listeners, this was probably the first time we've come to the table to get our show set up that we had the same love to see it coming into the segment because I was going to talk about Anthony Edwards as yeah. well. Um, his his December has, as a whole, been awesome. He's averaging 22 points per game. His uh, his shooting is up to 45%. That three-point shooting number is up to 40% on the month. It's really rounding into form. Um, he's averaging three assists per game, three, round, three re- rebounds per game. So obviously you'd love to see him start making his mark on other places on the floor, but you know, getting those shooting numbers up is a great place to start. Um, he's still at three turnovers a game, so you want to see that cleaned up a little bit. But again, still only 20 years old, not even halfway through his second season. It, it's just been he's been so exciting to watch. He is quickly climbing up my favorite non-Pacers power rankings. Um, mm. So it, it, that should that should tell you something about how much I, I love watching this kid play. Um, so it, it's just been it's been great. He's got to be first team all shot callers, right? Oh yeah, uh, there's like I don't I don't see a world where he doesn't end up on the first team all shot callers. Yeah, by I end mean, of season. Yeah, He'd probably absolutely. just write it in in Sharpie at this point. Yeah. I mean, he was my shot caller of the week for some off-the-court stuff uh, a few weeks back. And and now we're giving him his flowers for the on-the-court stuff. He's uh, he's definitely one of our favorite guys to watch. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and the Wolves are just one of our favorite teams to watch. Uh, but before I get into my love to see it, we'll, we'll wrap up Wolves Watch real quick. Ow! Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to talk about another Western Conference team that has – has been equally fun question mark i i don't know uh the stats haven't been overly fun but their record has definitely been i'm talking about the red hot memphis grizzlies man um i gave them you know i gave them a little uh, shout out at shot caller of the week a couple weeks ago uh after the <laughs> the embarrassment against uh okc but since then man they're nine and one without ja morant post-jaw injury. They've catapulted up to fourth in the West. And, and this is why I say fun with a question mark, because, I mean, they're shooting 47.5% from the field, which that's well and good, but only 34.5% from three. It, eh. um, but defensively, man, they're holding opponents to 96 points per game. It's like a pseudo-little grit-and-grind thing, 2.0 they got going on. Because um, it's really been a combination of three guys that have kind of been every night just shifting who's going to carry the load. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. is averaging almost 20 points per game on 48% shooting, four rebounds. Dylan Brooks, 18 points per game on 42% shooting. Neither of those guys shooting the three ball well, um, but getting the buckets, three rounds per game, three assists per game. And the guy that has really, I guess, if not Jaron Jackson Jr., the guy that's been the talk of the team, if you want to say Desmond Bain, because he's really put himself into that most improved conversation. I know Jaw's been really campaigning for that. Um, Desmond Bain's averaged 17, almost 18 points per game on 47% shooting and 47% three-point shooting. He's also averaging five rebounds per game and, and three assists per game. It's really been those three guys just kind of shifting from like, all right, tonight Jaron Jackson and, and Desmond Bain are going to go for for over 20, and then Dylan Brooks is just going to have like a pedestrian, maybe 13 to 15. 
or it'll be Desmond Bain with that 15. You know what I mean? It's just it, they're kind of just mm-hmm. interchanging who the two 20-point scorers will be and who the who the 15. And then you'll have the odd night, or not odd, I should say, but the occasional double-digit scoring game from a DeAnthony Melton off the bench. Um, it, it's just been interesting. Uh, it's been fun. I know I, I follow a fair amount of, of Grizzlies media, and they're I know they're loving it. I mean, how can you not be excited when when your star player goes down and your and your team rallies the way they have? I mean, I remember when the Pacers did it without Oladipo a couple seasons ago. It's just it's just a very empowering feeling. Um, so I, I really do love love this for the Grizzlies. Yeah, I. I feel like I continue to be shocked, like almost on a nightly basis, because um, I I I just can't get a read on how good the Grizzlies actually are. Yeah. I feel like I doubt them going into every game. Uh, for that reason, they are on my sin bin list. I I do not gamble against the Grizzlies now, uh, for or that. against them. They're yeah. they're on that list with the Pacers. Um, I had to walk you. I had to walk you off the ledge with the Pacers a couple nights ago. <laughs> You were yeah. about to pull the. You were about to and, pull the trigger. And thank on goodness it. you did. I would have <laughs> lost that one against uh, against a Milwaukee team without Giannis. Uh, yeah. But no, the Grizzlies. I I keep doubting them on a night to night basis. Even after they go wire to wire, you know what? Four out of the five games uh, on that little win streak that they had. Um, I doubt them. Even though their defense has just like really, really um, locked down other teams really yeah. stepped up since jaw went down you talk about all these guys that that are stepping up um tyus jones is another one where we get to see a little more tyus jones in there as well a six to one assist to turnover ratio um since jaw went down not a score but just a guy that's kind of setting the table for the rest of the team this team's just playing smart like smart basketball where it's just we're not going to turn the ball over we're going to play good defense and we're going to score enough to get the win. I yeah. think Jaron Jackson Jr. has been like a... I mean, we love Evan Mobley. I think NBA Twitter loves Evan Mobley. Mm-hmm. For all the reasons that you love Evan Mobley and are excited about him, you should be excited about Jaron Jackson Jr. right now. Um, he is doing what Evan Mobley's doing. Maybe not to the exact level defensively, but he's not that far off. He's still averaging over, you know, two blocks a game. Um, and he is like a defensive stopper for sure. But he's able to put the ball on the floor, um, and, you know, and still get those 20 points a game. And it is, they look they look similar. They play like that perimeter game um, where they're able to, to go down low as well. And so, again, for people that are in love with Evan Mobley, Really, really take a look at Jaron Jackson Jr. because he's doing a lot of that same stuff. Um, just bypass that shooting form. Just, just don't yeah, worry about it. Don't you know, worry he, about it. He's hitting thirty six percent from three. Exactly. You know that's why I said bypass it. <laughs> yeah. We, you know, ball and bucket is good. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely understand why we got the Grizz- Grizzlies up here. Um, a lot of things you love to see. Yeah, and really my. My question to you about this, Kyle, is do you envision that this success will continue when Ja comes back? Because, I, and I asked this because if you remember way back when, when we did our Western Conference tier list, the Grizzlies were the team that I kind of had to to butter you up on a little bit because you yeah. weren't as high on the supporting cast as I was. Um, 
and I'll be real, I don't think I was even this high. I mean, they're fourth in the West right now. This is nowhere near where I envisioned them. But yeah, do you think this is one of those, this is like that moment where this roster really sees how good it can be? Does Joss supplement that? Or do you think that's going to walk it back a little bit with this team? Um, Listen, I just said, I, I have such a hard time predicting, you know, who this team is and kind of what they're about. Um, but I guess I got to try and predict. I, I don't see it staying. I really see them kind of as the Cleveland West. I, I know mm-hmm. I just used Evan Mobley, um, but I really do see them as Cleveland West. Cleveland, also the four seed um, in their conference. Do I think that they're going to end the season as a four seed? No, I don't see them as a, as a, a home court team in the playoffs. Not by any means. Um, do I think that they're good enough to make the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, they're probably they're probably good enough to be a seven or eight seed, um, but they have a they have a, a point per game differential of plus two point one. But keep in mind, they had a seventy three point win in there. Exactly. What it, when you take that seventy three point win out there, which hey, oh, just remove the biggest victory of, of NBA history. I know that's easy to say, but when you take that one game out of there. I'm curious on if it's even a positive point per game differential. Um, It's got to be close to, uh, it's got to be closer to zero. And it just makes me a bit nervous. It does. Um, So you you definitely don't think when Jock comes back, that's going to be their turn the corner moment. You definitely think there's still, they're, they're coming up on the bend, but they're not about to turn that bend yet. Oh, I, yeah, I see them, you know, Houston just went on a winning streak, and they did it without Jalen Green. Yeah. You know, is that still going on? No, Houston went back to losing again. And when they get Jalen Green back, they're still going to go back to losing. I I feel like that's true. Memphis, it's great now. It is. Um, nine and one in the last ten, like you just said. But do I envision it? Say- I, I don't. Do you? I want to say yes, but... In all reality, I I don't either. Because um, yeah. I think what's really going to hurt it is going to be Ja figuring out how to do less to keep this. You know what I mean? It's just going to be, there's going to be like that that learning curve of realizing, oh, the guys around me can all do this now. How do I still do my thing while keeping their thing? This is not sounding as smooth as I hoped it would. But you know what I'm saying? It's just going to be that that reimplementation mm-hmm. that I think is going to be the setback. Um, but by no means am I saying John Morant is a detriment to the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, I oh god, <laughs> real quick, do you think that they're considerably better than like Portland or Toronto? I think they are considerably better than Portland, but that's just because I think Portland is a mess. Yeah. Um. I think that team is an absolute mess right now. What about uh, Toronto? Toronto? Uh, Toronto's interesting. Um. I actually I like your your Cleveland comparison. Yeah. Um, I, the only reason I, I, I would say that's probably. I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. So the reason I bring up Portland and Toronto, they're both outside of the playoffs right now. They're both the eleventh seed in each of their conference. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, is do I think Memphis is better than? Them? Yeah, probably. Again, I see Memphis as like. A playoff team, a French playoff team, but like, are they 
considerably better than these teams that aren't in the playoffs. I I don't I don't look at it and go like, oh, for sure. I mean, like, is Miami better than Portland or Toronto? Yes. Yes, Miami is. So is Chicago and so is the Jazz. And, you know what I mean? Like, so are these other teams that are in that um, you know, right around that four seed. And when I look at Memphis, I'm just like, I'm not as confident. Yeah, I mean, if I had to if I had to do a prediction at the very moment where I think Memphis is going to end up, I think that seventh, eighth seed is that would mm-hmm. still be a ceiling for them. Um, but I, I, I would not be upset if they prove me wrong. I'll put it that way because I, I would love to see this team continue its success. I, it's just like what you said. I think, you know, the Clippers are right there. Um, all it takes is that roster kind of meshing at the right time. Um, you can never, as much as I hate to say it, you can't count out the Lakers. Um, so it, it is a little, it's just one of those things where you look at the talent of the other teams below them right now, and it's just things go right for those teams. And it, it, on paper, they are the better teams. So. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll, we'll be excited to get job back. I know he's, uh, another one of our favorites. Uh, but I would like to talk about a guy that's been linked to jaw his whole career. And that is the one player that was picked in front of jaw. Zion Williamson. Zion shows up this week for my hate to see it. Oh, oh, no. hate to see. It. Yeah, we get we get news from Shams on Sunday or uh, last Saturday. It said Zion is quote unquote shut down from basketball activities for time being. Mm. Uh, it was reported today that he did receive treatment, um, and they they think he's going to be out for another four to six weeks. Um, I'm just still not like. Until I until I see him like actually playing in games or in the G League, you know, doing five on five practices and stuff, I'm just not confident in him returning this year. Um, I guess show it to me first. You could say four to six weeks, and that's great. You know, oh, he'll be back. You know, just uh, you know, on the other side of the All Star break. Okay, sure. Still haven't seen him play basketball, so hasn't played at all this season yet. So, um, but it. <laughs> It just sucks, man. We were so hyped up to see Zion. So hyped up. You see him make these easy 360 dunks at Duke. He's doing these closeout blocks at Duke where he's going across the whole court. Um, I went to his first ever college game live uh, in Indy, and it was electric. I mean, the whole stadium is standing up while he's in the layup line, taking pictures and stuff like that. Feels like the NBA created the playing tournament for Zion. You'll probably never get anyone to admit it, but like they probably did, right? Yeah, probably. Like, yeah. Gets a $75 million shoe deal before he ever plays a game. And then kind of lives up to it for a minute. Uh we talked about it earlier, right? He's in that he's in that list of seven players in history to score two thousand points in their first hundred games. Like he He's like that. He averaged 27, 8, and 4 as a 20-year-old, which as a 20-year-old, those are like Luka Doncic numbers as a 20-year-old. Um, Luka, who's also out of shape, it, it's hard to imagine writing off Luka Doncic after he has a few injuries. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard to imagine Luka Doncic just like showing up fat for two years and us just being like, yeah, Luka's probably never going to play basketball again. 
Like that is really, really tough for me to ever envision. But it feels it feels a bit similar, honestly. Um, I just I just hate to see it. I want to watch Zion play. I got so much hype over this, and now it's just not happening. And it's a guy like Embiid, where it's just like, please take care of your body so that we can watch you play. Um, and the whole New Orleans thing is such a mess. It is such a mess, man. And it just sucks. Really, the only thing I have to add on to this, because I, it truly is like, it's such a big bummer. I, I'm trying so hard to stay on the air of like, you know, this guy is not a bust. He's just had some bad breaks. Yeah. Um, but I got a couple texts today from from some buddies when the when the news broke again about about Zion. And the first text was first text was just uh, I don't think he's ever going to play for the Pelicans again. So let me pose that question to you. Do you think we're ever going to see him in the Pelicans jersey? Or is he just going to ride out this injury and, and look elsewhere? I feel like I he has to. I think he's got to play for the Pelicans again if he wants to secure any sort of max deal. Yeah, But I'm, I'm he, curious. I think he does play for the Pelicans again. I still think that, again, being on that list of 2,000-point scores... Carmelo, Luca, KD, Kyrie, LeBron, and Zion. None of those players are going for less than like, what, three first round picks and and young talent or you know what I mean? Like, yeah, all of those guys at the age of twenty one are still fetching a huge return, injured or not. He hasn't had like some crazy career ending, you know, tore ACL in the same knee for the fourth time or tore his Achilles or like, I mean, foot injuries, that's not great. But I mean, there's no reason to think that like his career is over or anything like that. Yeah. And the fact that we saw him average 27 and eight, there's not many people in the NBA that can do that. So, um, I just don't think there's enough people out there like with the assets and that want to take that big of a risk kind of thing to to actually pull the trigger on making that trade. Yeah, that makes sense. And you answered the second question I was going to ask because another one of those buddies threw the notion out that he doesn't think Zion's going to play again, which I think is a, a bit preposterous. Um, and uh, it's just a, it's a wild take to think. Uh, the only thing I could really think of, and I know you just said you don't think anybody pulls the trigger, um, is is that I, I feel like the best way this does get resolved is if he can just get out of New Orleans. Um, I think it's it's just the wrong place for him at this point. I'm sorry, Pelicans fans, but I think you try and still strike why the iron is somewhat hot on Zion as a reclamation project. Um and see what you can get back. Uh, but again, like you just said, Kyle, I, it, who who pulls that? Who pulls the trigger on that trade with him being such a, a question mark right now? So yeah, it, it I, truly is just an overall hate to see it. <laughs> the only team I could see would be OKC. They have just a gluttonous amount of picks, and yeah. they need young talent. And so um, maybe they just say, hey, look, we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to draft 30 people in the next few years. <laughs> like, we, it's not possible, so... 
let's just Here, bundle up can, a bunch. We can throw let's, you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, they're able, you know, they have those picks so that they can take swings, and this would definitely be taking a swing, but... Send, yeah, Shea to, send Shea to New Orleans so that you could have the backcourt of Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Nikhil yep. Alexander-Walker just have the longest cool. longest okay. last name backcourt in the history of the league. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, honestly, here's – and this is something I just thought about. The best thing I can kind of compare it to would be Michael Thomas uh, for the other New Orleans team, for, uh, for the Saints. Um, something where, like, he puts up – you know, we're really excited about him to come into the league. You know, he's not as hyped as Zion, obviously. But he puts up, like, a historic season, right? And mm-hmm. we think, oh, my gosh, like, he's here. Like, he's going to be one of the best guys in the league. Um, super excited to watch him. And then he has this injury. And then it's like, oh, is he going to play? Oh, yeah, maybe. And then it kind of gets pushed back and pushed back. And then all of a sudden, you just don't see him play at all this year. I think that might be how Zion's season goes. Where... It's like, oh, yeah, Zion, he's going to miss the first month or two or three, maybe more, and then maybe we just don't see him at all this year. So um, to me, that's kind of like the biggest worry would just be that you don't see him this year. But I think if he's playing and he's healthy and in shape, he's good. You know, he'll be great. Yeah, I I hope he can just – I hope his body can just get right for him, man. Um, And obviously I know there's a bit of – work that he would have to do on his end to get the body right but still it's just man it sucks <laughs> yeah well i think it's tough to i think it's tough to tell someone to stay in shape when you have a, a really bad foot injury yeah no it, it's hard yeah i know that's kind of been the other big talking point it's just that it's how is he supposed to stay in shape if he just legitimately can't work out his lower yeah. body right now well, my hate to see it, Kyle, uh, is a little more just broad sense. And it's honestly something that we've hated to see for coming up on two years now. It's it's just COVID striking mm-hmm. again, man. But really, it just feels like these last couple of weeks, it has gotten rough. You're seeing multiple teams going down to, like, the league minimum of available players, like the Bulls, Nets. It, it, it's crazy. I mean... Guys going out left and right. I, I mean, I think every team has been hit by it at this point. Um, it's just a another reminder um, that just, you know, especially with the holidays coming up, that we are nowhere near the end of this. And much like NBA players and I know the NFL is having issues with COVID and even the NHL, it's just all sports really. Everybody just needs to continue taking this as serious as possible Um, because I'd like to, you know, as much as I'd like to say, you know, things are back to normal and as much as we try to act like they are, they're they're still not. Um, And I don't think any NBA player is going to listen to this, but hey, I know guys like Draymond have come out and said that I've done everything that I can do. If you haven't done everything you can do, please just do it for the good of your fellow human (laughs) because – I know uh, the NFL just updated their COVID protocols. I'm sh- I know the league uh, announced tonight that they're upgrading their protocols for the holiday games, um, but I'm sure they will have advanced protocols put in place probably by the end of the month. Um, they'll probably follow suit with the NFL. So just a little bit of a reminder uh, to still take this seriously. <laughs> if you, yeah. If you can. 
yeah, I feel like the NBA players or any professional athletes, um, with the amount of money that's on the line and, and everything that's kind of on the line with that, they have some of the highest protocols out of, you know, most professions that aren't healthcare, of course. Um, but they are, there are so many precautions that they take. And yet Sham still reports uh, yesterday that the NBA's first known player case of the Omicron variant was discovered in a recent positive COVID-19 test. So um, kind of, again, with, with the most extreme precautions, it still happens. It sucks to see these teams not play at full strength. Um, injuries are obviously a part of it, but like, oh, this just sucks. It really does. Uh, Pistons game was postponed the other day. Uh, I think we're going to see some games get postponed. It's a little curious on like what exactly postpones the game and what doesn't. Why do the Nets have to play with eight players and yet the Pistons-Bulls game gets rescheduled kind of thing um, and kind of exactly what that line is. It sucks. But, I mean, I remember exactly what I was doing when I when I got the tweet about the NBA being shut down. Um you know, at that jazz game and everything like that. And and I thought, there's no way this could possibly happen. How can they shut down the NBA? And I just missed the NBA, and I don't want to have to miss it again. <laughs> so please, just everyone be safe, and let's just get everyone back to full strength and, and full safety, because, damn, that sucked. Yeah. You hate to see that. Yeah, for sure. But Kyle, I... <laughs> It's crazy to think we are already at the 40-minute mark of this week, but just now getting through, love to see it, hate to see it. But I got one more thing I wanted to uh, talk about this yeah. week. And shouldn't take us too terribly long, but, you know, I think we've seen enough basketball. And with the talk of Steph breaking the record, thought it'd be a good time to peruse the MVP rankings yeah. and do our first little MVP watch of the season. Um I know we've kind of lobbed candidates out here and there, but Kyle, I'm just going to throw you the top five guys according to NBA.com's MVP letter, and I'm going to ask you just one little question, maybe give you give you the floor for each of those guys, but I'd just love to hear your thoughts. So we'll start at the top. or I'll ask you, do you want me to give you all five first, or do you want to just go through them one by one? Let's do all five first. Okay. All right, so the top five guys, and then again, this is based off of uh, NBA.com's MVP ladder. Steph at number one, KD at number two, Giannis at number three, Jokic four, Chris Paul at five. I think I'm going to start there with Chris Paul. Kyle, do you think Chris Paul is that fifth person, or is there anybody else you'd like to see there? I don't. I was expecting DeRozan to pop up in that top five, to be honest. Um, I understand I why Chris Paul is there with the winning streak they go on and uh you know booker misses a few games and everything like that and he's obviously the heartbeat of that team but DeRozan has been that guy and has been that guy in the fourth quarter we've talked a lot on this on this uh pod about DeRozan and kind of all the accolades he's had but I mean honestly when when I'm making it I would think um him really in that top four but definitely in the top five yeah yeah I agree. he's uh He's ranked ninth on NBA's ranking. Rudy Gobert is sixth. Gobert, Young, and Levine are above him. Uh, I don't know about Trey Young. Definitely not Rudy Gobert. I could see Zach Levine a little bit, but I, I think I'm with you. I, I'd probably say DeRozan is my number five. 
um, if I if I had to uh, provide my input. Where do you want to go next? We've got Steph, Katie, Giannis, and Jokic. Um, my question to you, Steph at number one. Any any qualms with it? That was gonna be my question to you. <laughs> I I actually don't, but I definitely don't think it is as wide as a gap as maybe some might think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's solely because of the play of the guy at number two, Kevin Durant. I think KD is definitely closing the gap between Steph and the field. Uh, Kevin Durant, I think I he's on like, what, four straight games of 30-plus points now, uh, including that triple-double against your Pistons in overtime the other night uh, mm-hmm. with an eight-man roster. That's one of those, like, damn MVP moments. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely think, yes, Steph should be number one, but I, the way Kevin Durant is playing, it, it would not shock me if you see him getting close to, if not overtaking, the number one spot. Yeah, I mean, you look at that team, and we talked about this what, last week on the pod. We talked about it, where they went to Houston, and they lost without Kevin Durant. The Nets lost to the Houston mm-hmm. Rockets. Since then, they're now 4-0. KD is averaging, like, close to 40 points a game. I think it's, like, 39-8-9. And they're 4-0. Their team is fully depleted. But he's still able to carry them and them to be the best team in the East. But without them, they lose to the Rockets. I think this tells you all you need to know. And I'm going to preface this with I'm not trying to come at James Harden. But without Kevin Durant... James Harden and the Nets lose to the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Without James Harden, Kevin Durant is scorching the planet Earth. And the Nets are... So, uh, it it really... I don't think you can overstate truly how important Kevin Durant is to this Brooklyn Nets team. Yeah. Yeah, the difference is Harden has the ability to turn it on. KD doesn't have the ability to turn it off. That is what the difference is. No, sir. Is that there are nights where Harden will will carry you like that, but you won't find KD on an off night. No, sir. No. It, it's And I know it's pretty chalk with KD, but it, it's it's just like every night, you know how we have our, our nightly what-the-fuck Steph stats? I feel like every Nets game, there's just a, oh-my-God, KD highlight that you walk away with. So it, it, it's, it's no different than peak LeBron. Where it was just like every night you knew something incredible was going to happen when he yeah. touched the ball. It's just that's what Kevin Durant's doing right now. It's funny um, you mentioned LeBron because that's what Skip Skip Bayless tweeted and <laughs> and said nothing like Kevin Durant. You watch Bron? Kevin Durant quote tweeted up and said, "I really don't like you." <laughs> I, don't, I love Skip oh, Bayless slander. Some heroes don't wear capes. That's what I tweeted out from the yeah. forty-eight minutes Twitter. <laughs> We love it. <laughs> All right. I, I'm going to take take us to the next guy on the list, Giannis. And my biggest question with Giannis, really, I think, is just an existential one for myself. Is Giannis having the quietest MVP caliber season ever, or, or am I just being a bad basketball fan and living under a rock with this, with this Milwaukee team? So I think that Giannis is struggling a little bit from uh, voter fatigue. With him being a two-time uh, MVP, with him being a Finals MVP, 
um yeah you know all defensive all nba all star all everything right um i think that there's just been a lot of talk about Giannis, and really in the offseason we did like the okay Giannis did it he's the best player in the world he he carried everyone look at this awesome series he had and, and all super well deserved um but like the storyline of steph you know what i mean carrying the team without clay um breaking the three-point record it's just such a good story and i think this storyline does make a difference when you're talking about mvp voting yeah and so i think that's where Giannis kind of falls is the story isn't necessarily there and we've just had a lot of conversations about Giannis uh over the last two years and so it's like oh yeah we also love to watch steph and kd play um who I mean, kind of took a back seat the last two years to uh to Giannis. So that's that's I think what's really going on. The numbers speak for itself. There's a reason they're the second best team in the East, and that's because Giannis yeah. is on their team. But uh, quietly they've just they're right back you know, after the chaos that was the first month and a half of the season, you look at the standings in the East and it's it's cream rise. It's what we thought. Top. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but again. Voter fatigue, I think a little bit is what we're seeing here, right? How many how many podcasts in the last two years have just been devoted to how awesome is Giannis and how awesome is his defense? <laughs> yeah, He's the MVP true. and the best player in the world, finally, and all this stuff. And so, I mean, I remember when we did our awards uh, pre-show, and I I said, you know what, Giannis is going to get defensive because I just don't want to give him MVP. So even I, you know, I, I could have just called myself out. You, you know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Do some self-reflection uh, on the uh, voter fatigue he, thing. He was my <laughs> first shot caller of the of the week because that first week he came out and beat the Nets. He won yeah. the ceremony. He, he won the game. You know what I mean? Big trophy ceremony. And everyone talks about him. He's the champion, all that. And really, the first week was centered around Giannis. Um, and again, we kind of brought him back up and, and recirculated it. And now it's like, hey, look at all these awesome things that are happening in, in the NBA also. So focusing on that. Yeah. And so that leaves us with the last guy on the list here. And, and it's a guy that I know is one of your guys. And also one of Zach Lowe's guys. I'm talking about Nikola Jokic. Um, Kyle, I, I know you actually sent me the Zach Lowe clip from uh, from the other day on NBA Today where he, he just tells uh, Richard Jefferson and Perk to just shut up while he talks about Jokic's numbers. So, uh, Kyle, I know this is your dude. You wrote about him earlier this season. So, by all means, the floor is yours with Nikola Jokic. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to give myself credit here because I feel like I was early to the Jokic party for MVP. Um Especially when all the talk was on DeRozan and on us, Curry us on with our finger on the pulse, we would never. Wouldn't you know it? Yeah, Jokic averaging twenty-seven, fourteen, and seven, which that alone unheard of. Shooting almost sixty percent from the floor on eighteen attempts, also unheard of. Um, because of how efficient he is, he has the highest PER in NBA history, not just this season, not amongst the league. Not in the last 10 years, 15 years, whatever. In NBA history, he has the highest PER ever. Uh, he leads the NBA in every single advanced stat. That is almost quite literal. Um, if, if you pick an advanced stat, there is a 
very, 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 very high chance that he is number one on the list in that advanced stat. Um, the on-court numbers, he is plus 14 on the court. That would make them the greatest team in NBA history. Uh, when he's not on the court, he is the, the team is a minus 16. That would make them the worst team in NBA history. So that is a pretty good resume. <laughs> you t that is a really good resume. Now, the problem is, uh, you know, he has Compazzo as his starting point guard. And just like this, this like mishmash of uh, little Motley Crew people um, playing with him. And because of that, he's going to lose some games. Aaron Gordon is not a number two guy. Mm -mm. You know that, like. His Honestly, number two and number three are are injured. Yeah. It's it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, when I look at this team, um, especially like if I'm trying to bet on the Nuggets, you know what I look at? Oh, is Will Barton healthy tonight? And like that's crazy behavior to me. You know what I mean? Like this team is is really stripped of a lot of their talent. Um and they're still a five hundred team because Jokic is able to cover them. It is a bummer. That uh, that more people aren't healthy, so that they're able to get more wins. So that this really, really could be a three three person race between KD, Steph, and Jokic. Um, but I, I think any other season, you look at these numbers and you're just absolutely blown away. But unfortunately, he's losing, and that will be heavily considered. And I think that'll be the reason that he's not gonna going to be at the top of the list for all-star voting or for MVP voting. Very fair. Kyle, I'll just ask you before we wrap up this little MVP watch, are there any other guys that you think should be on the radar or do you think we're, we're well enough into this season where you, you don't see this, this top, I'll say top five, top, even top three get shaken enough to where anybody is able to really supplant any of these guys. No, I think this is it. Um, the other guys that you would have looked at, in my opinion, would have been Embiid, Harden, or LeBron or AD. Um, and I'm I'm really not at a spot where I would feel like putting any of those guys in it. So, mm -mm. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good I think it's a good list. There is a there's a small small portion of time where it looked like my Paul George dark horse prediction was gonna pan out. Oh, but, I know. but hey hey, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. He's still having a good season, so we'll we'll give him. We'll give him his credit. Well, Kyle, before we get into Shot Caller of the Week, is there anything we missed that you want to bring up? Um, I I alluded to it before the uh, before the end of last show um, about watch out for potential Jeremy Grant trades. Um, just wanted mm. to circle back to that. We did get some news from Jake Fisher, who uh, works for Bleacher Report, and he is kind of always... Over the last like year and a half, he's kind of broken a lot of the news. If it hasn't been um, Shams or Woj, it's really been him a lot of the times. And he said that the Pistons are actively shopping Jeremy Grant. So um, just wanted to, to rehash that, just bring it back up real quick. We don't need to, to go through it, but that's it. I just wanted to, to kind of mention again that he could potentially be on the move. And, um, you know, he he's not going to necessarily, like, change change uh, a team but he could be kind of that last piece that third or 
you know, that fourth guy maybe on a championship contender to really help push them over the edge. So something to look out for also. I think an interesting interesting way to look at this, do the Denver Nuggets make a move to bring Jeremy Grant back to help out for a playoff push? I think that would be an interesting uh, storyline to keep an eye on. Yeah, Jeremy Grant has a lot of – he loves Detroit. He wanted to play here for Detroit. He wanted to play for an African-American coach specifically. Um, and so he likes being here in Detroit. He wanted to be the number one. He got offered more money from Denver. I think a lot of people forget that. He got offered more money from Denver, but he said, I want to be the number one option. I want to be a top option on a team. Um, now, if he goes to Denver in, in the year 2021, does he have the chance to be a top option? Uh, that's something interesting to, to think about. But, yeah, uh, yeah some, something to watch for. For sure. Uh, the only thing I wanted to bring up was uh, to pat myself on the back for not going on a Pacers rant for, like, the fourth week in a row. I only made one snide remark about, about Herb Simon's comments to the media this week. So uh, Good job by you. Way to go, me. Um, yep. You're welcome, everybody else. Uh, without further ado, though, let's get a shot caller of the week. And uh, I'll, I'll go first. That's okay with you, Kyle. Uh, yeah. That's pretty straightforward. I'm going to give it to Del Curry. And I know most of you might be thinking it's because of the picture of him at Madison Square Garden the other night, enjoying hmm. the sights, if you will. Um, Hitting but threes I'm, off the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like a couple tens, if you ask me. But uh, our, our it's actually. Champ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm actually giving it to him uh, because of the clip of him from the Hornets broadcast the night after where he was able to hold on to the game ball that uh, Steph signed from when he hit the three. And uh, I just think, you know, that that's such a, it's gotta be such a cool moment for just him, not only as a dad, but as a basketball fan, just to, to have it and talk about how he's keeping a Kung Fu grip on that ball. So uh, honestly, shouts out to Del Curry. Got to watch your son break the three point record. Got to take in some wonderful sights in New York, got the ball. What's better than that? Great. Just Dell being Dell. That's great. Love that one. Yeah. Uh, my shot caller of the week is Meek Mill. Ooh. Yeah, Meek right. Mill. Um, we, we've seen him kind of in sports and in the NBA previously. He opened up the All-Star game um, back in 2019 when it was in Charlotte. But uh, this week we saw him take 26 kids to the 76ers Heat games. They went on a little VIP experience. And uh, awesome thing, all these kids have been affected by some sort of um, probation or parole laws that are kind of systematically broken. Um, they've just been negatively affected in their homes. Um, you know, parents that are locked up for not having money for fees or parents that are locked up for picking up their kids or visiting a loved one, something like that. Um, something that Meek Mill has gone through a lot and something that he's super passionate about. He has an organization called Reform Alliance, which you can go to reformalliance.com to find out more. You can text Reform to 81411 to find out more. But uh, just really cool that he is taking kids to the game and um, and using his voice for something good. So we love good that. job by you, Meek Mill. Um, kids going to basketball games is always badass. So you're the shot caller of the week for me. I got one more. Okay. Corey Kyle, if you will. I told you I was going to return the favor at some point. I want to give oh. <laughs> my boy, Kyle Brandon, another shot caller of the week. 
this man accepted an awesome new job opportunity in uh, in Louisville where he lives. Not going to get into the details because uh, I don't want you to get doxxed, but <laughs> I know it is a, a big, big step up for you. Uh, I know we're all super stoked for you here at the network. I know all our boys. I know I know the fam's excited, but I, you know, very proud of you, buddy. Very excited for this new opportunity. I know your last day at your current job is uh, next week on uh, on Christmas Eve, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, I, I'll let, if you want to tell people what you're doing, by all means. But I, I didn't want to dox you. <laughs> no, no, you're you're good. Uh, I work in hotels. So I'll be the uh, the director of accounting and human resources for uh, a couple of big properties downtown um, in the city where I'm at. So really excited about that. Good for me. Good for my family. Good for my career. I got a lot of friends, uh, Joe included, that have really motivated me over the last uh, over the last little bit to to find the best uh, find the best job for me, find the best career for me, and keep moving forward. And um, yeah. We love to uh, to see us winning, so Shout can't out. stop winning. That being said, uh, that that is going to do it for us this week, man. Next week, I'm excited. We got the Shot Callers Christmas special coming up. Oh been, yeah, uh, we've been plotting this one for, I guess, at the time you'll listen to it about a day now. But by the time it airs next week, <laughs> we'll have been plotting it for a week. <laughs> yeah, but gonna have, gonna have some good stuff. Uh, might get a visit from from Santa. Who knows. Leave your milk and cookies out for us, though, because we got a big one for you. Uh, Kyle, anything for the good people? That is it. Appreciate you hanging out with us. Um, stay safe. Weather's been crazy. Uh, watching basketball and enjoy your week. Have a great weekend, guys. All right. Love y'all. Thanks for listening to Shot Callers. Make sure to subscribe to the 48 Minutes Network wherever you're listening to your podcast and leave us a review if you like what you're hearing. Also, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter over at 48 Minutes Network. I'm going to stop and get